0: back to the Hollow Sky Podcast. We are your host Stephen and Kyle. And that little intro was brought to you by our new mixer, which yeah. is fucking dope.
1: Yeah, we were just having a little bit of fun. We hope you guys uh, enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, because you'll never hear that
1: fucking again. Fuck no.
0: <laughs> Kyle fucking nailed it.
1: Yeah, you know, I got hidden talents.
0: <laughs> that is one way of putting it. Uh Today, I'm going to bring you a little interesting... Episode on some shit that I found on the internet, kind of per usual, but it is fucking weird, and we're gonna dive into it. First off, we got to get through the business. I want to thank all of our Patreon supporters. You guys are dope, and you are helping us bring the best show we possibly can. Like you, you guys are the reason that uh, we can upgrade our equipment and shit like that. And thank you so very much for contributing. Um, on to the business. Check us out at all our social medias Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. Search up the Hollow Sky podcast, and we should be top on the list. Come over, hang out with us, just do your thing. Share weird stories, weird news, any kind of cool shit you find on the internet, tell us jokes, you know.
1: It's whatever you want to do. Hell yeah.
0: Just one big community, one happy weird ass family. That's right. Uh, we have a website up, hollowskypodcast dot com. Check it out. I worked a long time on it.
1: Yeah, Steve put in twenty and I'm plus. Fucking
0: frustrated with it. So I hope you all enjoy it. We got a little link on there called Bias a Monster. If you want to contribute to our monster fund, the link should Hell take yeah. you right to our Venmo, and you can just. Toss a couple bucks in there, and we will buy monsters. I would. This is the point to where I would crack one open, but I just got done drinking one, and I will probably die. Same. So, shh, there it is. <laughs> Sooner, Monster sponsors us the better. Yeah. But until then, I was you gonna guys... say. I was
1: gonna say if if you get tired of us asking to donate to the Monster Fund, just start bugging Monster as much as we would bug you to donate. In hopes exactly. that they would be like, all right, fine, fuck it. These people will not stop <laughs> bugging us. Let's just give them a sponsorship and call it a day.
0: We've already got uh, one listener that has contacted Monster via yeah. email. <laughs> so we're waiting to hear back. So shout out to them. Speaking of which, going uh, to holler at the Reddit community. We do have a sub over there, and it's starting to grow. Got got a few followers over there. So shout out to you guys. Thanks for being interactive and keeping us relevant on that realm.
1: Yeah, Reddit is a cool place.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, Where are we going from there? Uh, yeah.
1: Submit your stories. Submit
0: your stories. You Send can us submit your shit. stories. Kyle's going to tell you how.
1: Yeah, you can uh record it on your camera, your voice memo app, anything that will essentially record your voice and then email it to us or you can write your story out and email it to us. You can do Facebook, Twitter, Instagram.
0: Smoke signals.
1: whatever. Yeah, whatever is convenient for you guys.
0: Cuneiform.
1: And then send it over to hollowskypodcast at gmail.com.
0: Hieroglyphics. I don't know how to read those. I don't either. We'll work on
1: it. Yeah, we'll try.
0: Uh, speaking of which, if whatever podcatcher you use to listen to us or YouTube or whatever, feel free to hop over there and leave us a rating and review. If we can find it, we will gladly shout you out. I'm having a little bit of an issue with some of our ratings because we usually get them through uh, a website called Chartable, but it's only recording 30 days back and it will only let me see ones from the U S on my normal uh, way of reading them on our normal podcast app. So if I skip one, that's not from the United States. It's not because I'm a mean person. It's because it has disappeared (laughs) and I cannot find it. But we do appreciate anybody that I may have skipped. We love you guys. Thank you for the five-star, and I do apologize for not being able to shout it out. But we kind of try to go in order here, and it gets pushed back, and then it eventually disappears. So I do apologize. That being said, leaving us a five-star rating and review is one of the best ways you can support our podcast. It helps push us uh, through the other podcasts, and when people search up dope-ass podcasts, we hope to be on the top of the list.
1: That's literally all you have to type into your search bar on your podcast Dope-ass podcast. Dope-ass podcast, and we are guaranteed to be the first to pop up. Hell
0: yeah. That's probably an actual podcast about marijuana. Probably. So
1: it's not us, but so. you it will get be the one idea. Day. Yeah, you get the idea.
0: So today's five-star listening review comes from our buddy Crawdaddy Kills
1: Trees. Fuck yeah. I
0: fucking love that name. But it's titled Brothers from Another Mothership.
1: Oh, I love it.
0: It's so dope. Love it. Five stars. Long time listener, first time reviewer. Thoroughly enjoy listening to Kyle and Steve navigate the world of the weird. Looking forward to their future exploits. Well, thank you. We, we are proud to be it. your brothers from another mothership.
1: That sounds like a shirt in the <clears> making. <throat> yeah, it
0: does. I, I, just, I fucking love our fans so much. I love our listeners.
1: I know. I love how I could not ask for better. They use our listeners. own words against us, <laughs> but in the best way. <laughs> how they're just like dope and all just like say weird. I don't know. It's just, it's cool.
0: It's creating a community that's going to take over the world. I hope so. Hell yeah. Speaking of which, our listener encounter of the day comes to us from down under, and it is our buddy David, his experience. Hell yeah! We're going to jump, dive right into that thing.
2: Let's get it. G'day guys, Dave from Australia. Uh, finally recording my voice to send you some uh, ghost stories after you requested them on your previous podcast on the Black Eyed Kids. So I thought instead of sending you an email, I'd finally record my voice uh, so that you have a, a voice to play on your podcast, so that you guys can take a break and drink your drink your monsters uh, while you listen to me. Uh, so without further ado, I'll get into the, the first ghost story, which involved uh, my now passed away grandfather and my uncle, who is still alive. Uh, this was back in about the 70s or 80s. I'm not too sure of the time period. Um, those details are hazy to me, uh, but it happened around that time. So a couple of decades ago, as if you will, um, my grandfather was a truck driver and he would commonly take my father and my uncle on trucking or road trips uh, when they were kids. I mean, Cause it was looser times back then, I guess, you know, when my grandfather wanted to rest, he'd give the wheel over to a 15, 16 year old to, uh, to drive for him while he rested in the back. But that's a different story altogether. Anyway, moving on. Uh, this was about three o'clock in the morning, one night. Uh, driving down a stretch of road called Putty Road. Now Putty Road goes between Sydney, Australia and a regional town called Singleton uh, in rural New South Wales. It's about, um, I'd say between three to 500 kilometres long. I'm not too sure on the distance either, but I've driven it a couple of times. It takes about uh, three to four hours, depending on how fast you're going. Um, they were driving down this uh, this regional road, only really only only truckers use that road uh, or if you're using that road, it's because you're trying to get to Sydney or back to Singleton from Sydney. Um, there's not many not many towns in be- along Putty Road. It's sort of just like a straight uh, lateral to get to, to where you're going. Anyway, I digress. Uh, they were driving along this road uh, early in the morning and when they told the story to me, they said they were absolutely adamant that they saw a jogger in the middle of the road about three o'clock in the morning, pale as anything power jogger with the jogging shorts, the the shoes, everything. Um, and they saw it go underneath their truck or underneath the bonnet of the truck. Uh, they didn't feel anything hit the truck. They didn't feel anything go under the wheels, but they both said they were absolutely sure that whatever was out in front of them had gone under the truck and they'd hit them. It's quite a big, big rig that they were driving at the time. So I thought maybe maybe we just didn't feel it as we've hit this poor poor jogger so they've done the right thing they've pulled over to the side of the road they've got their torches out and they've gone searching up and down the uh the high or stretch of highway where they thought they hit the jogger um they couldn't find anything they as they tell the story they said they looked for about half an hour 45 minutes um yeah, and they found nothing. They were searching off into the bushes in case in case he'd sort of like rolled off into the bushes on the sides of the road. They were searching up and down the road. They were looking for any signs of like blood splatter or anything like that. Maybe a shoe would come off when they hit the hit the jogger, but they couldn't find anything. They inspected the front of the truck and there was no visible damage to the front of the truck and there was no damage underneath the wheels. And they again they found no no blood or anything to suggest that they'd hit anything. Um, uh, but yeah, as they as they tell the story, they were absolutely adamant that they were, they they'd hit what was ever, whatever was in front of them. Um, but yeah, so moving on, they, they got back in the truck and now this is, as I said, the seventies, eighties, like I think mobile phones did exist, but not everyone had them back then. So they didn't have a mobile phone with them at the time. They, they drove to the closest service station, which I think was about half an hour away. And they actually reported it to police, um you know called police they said look we think we've hit someone we've been we've searched the area we can't find anything um but we you know we're just letting you know in case something does come up you know we're not trying to do a hit and run um the police apparently went out and had a search along the along the length of putty road that they they said they thought they hit uh the the jogger and they reported back saying that we can't find anything there's no uh, there's no joggers that we found here. Um, they said they'll keep an eye on the missing, missing persons record, but to this day, that you know, no one, no one's been sort of identified as missing in the, around that that time period. And you know, they all had the same thought: like, you know, why would, why would a jogger at three o'clock in the morning be jogging in the middle of rural New South Wales along a you know piece of trucking road that was forty, you know, thirty to forty-five minutes from the closest town by truck. Uh, let alone by foot. Um, so it was just a bit odd. But from all accounts, the locals say Putty Road is, uh, has had many uh, sightings of, of ghosts and such, and uh, I think this is just another one of those signs that they had. So that's the first one. Um, the second one involves my father, and it was told to me by my grandmother, who has now also passed away. Um, the way she told it to me is my dad was around five or six years old, and one, one night came into her room while, you know, after dinner, they were just getting ready to go to bed. And he came into her room and he looked outside the, looked outside the, uh, the window and the window sort of view, looked over onto the driveway in front of the, uh, in front of the house. And, uh, dad said to my grandma, I was like, oh, you know, Mum, why is the neighbor, why is the na- neighbor lady or the lady from next door, why is she out on the driveway? uh. And grandma or my grandma going. What do you What do you mean? Dad's pointing to what he thinks is this lady in the driveway, and grandma can't see anything. And she's going, look, Who Who do you mean? And she's like, and Dad's like, It's the lady from next door. I know her. I go over her house all the time. Um, and that's when my grandmother saw, sort of, you know, went pale and sort of, uh, sort of got a bit spooked, and she sort of stopped my dad and said, hey, dad, you're just seeing things. Just go to bed. It wasn't until years later that um, she told my dad that. Actually, uh, that morning, the neighbor or the lady next door had actually passed away. Um, uh, she was she was an elderly lady, and she just passed away from natural causes. Uh, and it just freaked her out that my dad was now, oh, when he was a child, was now seeing this lady standing in the driveway at you know, eight nine o'clock at night before they're going to bed. So I think she sort of did the. Uh, did uh, what, you know, my family always doesn't just decide to ignore it and sweep it under the rug. But uh, um, that was quite a freaky story that I sort of heard from my family as well. Um, the last one that I'll tell for tonight um, is actually quite a recent one involves myself. I uh, uh, Where I work, there's an old accommodation accommodation block. It's about three story. it's a three story accommodation block for, for people to stay at when they're traveling around or, or whatnot. Um, and yeah, it's an old, it's an old building, a very old building. And you know, I don't, I don't really know the history behind it, but, um, uh, where I work, the cleaners at the work talk to me all the time. And they say, you know, they hear and see things all the time. You know, they hear footsteps, especially on the third floor. They, you know, see shadows and all sorts of stuff going down the hallways and, um, I said, oh, you know, that's uh, – I, I was quick to pay it off because I think, oh, you know, you know they will probably just, probably just, you know, scaring themselves while they're working because, you know, getting bored cleaning cleaning the accommodation. But this one day I decided, and you know what, I'm going to go check it out for myself. Um, there was no one staying in the accommodation, so I thought, yeah, I'll go check it out. I won't disturb anyone while I'm checking out this accommodation block. I've gone up to the third floor, which they reported has all the – um, has all the, uh, the sidings and the footsteps and whatnot. Um, and in the hallways, they've got like these, uh, hallway doors. Um, you know, they're not fire doors because they're made of glass or whatnot, but they're, you know, they're, they're, they're opened and they're chucked open like with one of those door stops. Uh, anyway, I was walking down the hallway and I got past one of these doors in the hallway, like none of the other, Window. Uh, none of the windows were open in the building. The uh, end doors that go lead to outside. They were all closed. There was no, uh, there was no wind or anything blowing. Um, I've walked past this door, and behind me, it is slammed shut. It's actually pushed the doorstop out of the way and then slammed shut. And then I just had this feeling of absolute fucking terror come over me. I'm just like, nah, fuck this. I No, I about turned and I was out of that building as fast as I could fucking, as fast as my legs could take me because I I did not want to hang around. I ran downstairs and, you know, the cleaners were actually cleaning the bottom bottom floor and they're like, oh, what's the matter? I'm like, yeah, um, I told them the story and they said, yeah, that happens quite often. They say it usually happens to people that are new to the building that haven't actually been there. They said if anyone's coming to stay and they've never been in the building before, whatever's up there, I don't want to speculate, but whatever's up there will uh you know we'll slam doors on them or whatnot so that was the most recent one that involved me um unfortunately all of my uh all of my own personal accounts seem to involve doors I actually haven't seen anything yet but you know I don't know if I want to but um no needless to say I haven't been in that accommodation building since um thanks for taking the time to listen to me uh thanks for choosing to put me on the podcast Uh, as I said in the previous one you guys are legends stay weird uh please feel free to come to Australia. It's a fucking awesome place. Take it easy, guys. Bye.
0: Well, first off, hell yeah, brother. Thanks, David, for taking the time to send your uh, submission in. Um, I'm going to go one at a time here. So uh, the truck driver story about your grandfather. My dad was a truck driver, is a truck well, was a truck driver, and he had quite a few accounts of weird shit go on you know, whether it be lights in the sky, but he did have a Phantom Hitchhiker story, but he doesn't talk about it very often. I don't know if I've covered it here. If not, I probably will eventually, once I get the story correct. I may have covered it before. I don't know, Kyle. Do you I don't
1: I don't remember it. No.
0: Mm-mm. I guess I could share. I'll just share the, the gist of the story. So my dad is cruising down the road, right? <clears throat> and he passes this truck driver, guy in blue jeans and a red flannel shirt. Or not a truck driver, but hitchhiker. Blue jeans and a red flannel shirt. Well, my dad's adamant about not picking up hitchhikers.
1: You may have told this story. Have I? Yeah. Maybe. And, he,
0: and the dude ends up fixing his truck. Yep, yep, yeah, yep. Right yep, on. Yep. So tune into a previous podcast it's to there. find that out. But what it reminded me of is a local to Illinois story that is is legendary, and that would be the ghost of Resurrection Mary, who is our own phantom hitchhiker here in uh, Illinois. So if you don't if you're not familiar with that story, definitely check it out. It kind of falls in the same vein. I'm curious as to if there was any um previous hit and runs on the road that they were cruising on. Like it'd be interesting to go back in history and see if any joggers were struck and killed that would like kind of correlate with the sighting. And um
1: or is it one of those um uh, residual things like it just uh they ran that like the the story yeah. where the guy with the same colored track suit, you know, ran, he, the he same, ran the same route every day, and it just kind of ingrained itself in the area. It, it
0: wasn't a ghost; it was just like his energy had had kind of eaten its way into time, right? And now it's it's a residual haunting. In quotations, but it's not a haunting at all. Yeah. Just that he was in the area so much that his energy is forever ingrained in that area. Good call, Kyle.
1: And and for whatever you know, for whatever what for what it's worth, uh what you guys would have went through on that would have scared the fucking shit out of me thinking I ran somebody over. Oh no shit. I and mean that would be
0: kudos to them for stopping. Oh my lord. And, and they,
1: they even went to the police. Yeah. They I mean t- man. They
0: checked off every box as to yeah, what they are supposed to do. For sure. Need. Which, For yeah, sure, definitely awesome. Uh, the story with your grandmother and your father. First thing, anytime a little kid says something weird, it's scary as shit. Oh, yeah. And I feel like you should listen to them. Because they're probably, their they're youthful innocence, I feel like, is tuned in to shit way more than we are. I feel Absolutely. like as we get older, we get jaded, and we block shit out. Yep. But a little kid, if they see a ghost, they're going to fucking tell you they saw a ghost. Oh,
1: yeah. That's I, I it believe that down down as well. Into.
0: And me and Kyle look at each other at the same time whenever they said that the old woman had passed away. And we're like, we were fucking waiting for that. Oh, and yeah. that was, that was We knew that that was coming because.
1: Yeah, it's crazy that it was like the way he made it sound was that she passed away in, in relative recent. Yeah, like the to same the, the, the time. Si- yeah. So it's it was very, I mean, A, that would be creepy as fuck to be looking down outside and seeing somebody out there or seeing your neighbor out there. That which you wouldn't be used to at that time, but like Steve said, I mean, it's sometimes you need to listen to the little ones talk. Yeah, definitely. You know, and it—I don't know. It, it's kind of—I don't know. It, it's weird thinking that as she passed, maybe that was like her goodbye to you guys, or something like that. Or maybe she was like, she was like
0: looking out for your your dad. You know, like just kept an eye on him. Yeah when he was outside playing and shit. Sure. she was just making sure one last time before she went on.
1: Yep. Um, you but look- before we go on yeah. your, your grandma, his, her response to your father is a page out of my book. Let's just, uh, talk about it in the morning. Let's just go to yeah, bed. Just go to bed.
0: <laughs> Don't worry about it. That's, that's funny. Um, and your last one with the door slamming and all the weird shit going on, in the accommodations building, um, I would say, look into the history of the building. I'm curious as to whether anything took place, anything happened, if there was some sort of you know untimely death there that would have led to a possible haunting. It's always interesting to dig into the history of a building to see if you can corroborate your sightings with the history of the building right And I don't know if you if you work there anymore or what what exactly the the deal is, but it would be. Also interesting to get other people's stories that had had experiences there.
1: Yeah, and my take on it is uh, I'm with you, and the second that door would have slammed, I would have done the exact same thing. (laughs) Fuck this. I'm out of (laughs) here.
0: When you said that, Kyle was like, my dude, get the fuck out of there. exactly. My man.
1: Yeah, same. So, dude, and thank you for the submissions, and you guys are truly the legends. That's for fucking I mean, fucking we, sure. we appreciate it.
0: Yeah, we cannot thank you guys enough. It's just amazing how much support we get from this little endeavor we put together. And I just, I, I really can't wrap my head around it. It's, it's fucking dope. Y'all are dope. On to the story that I have put together today. First things first, we have a trigger warning. There are uh, stories of suicide in this story. So if that is not your thing, if that's something you don't want to have to deal with, feel free to tune out now. We don't blame you. No worries on that. Also that being said, we are going to put out the suicide prevention lifeline for any if any of our listeners are going through a rough patch and they need someone to talk to. Not only can you call this number, but you can get a hold of us. We Absolutely. will be if you you can message us, you can email us. We're usually on top of trying to respond to people, but if you're ever if you're having a hard time, if you need somebody to talk to, hit us up. If not us, call this line. It's 1-800-273-8255 and that is the Suicide Prevention Lifeline. That being said, on to the episode. Today we're going to talk about something that I stumbled upon while I was cruising YouTube. I like to watch my YouTube channels and look up latest weird phenomenon and the latest weird story and kind of base some of my research around that this led me to a little thing that I saw called the despair code and I'm like wow that sounds fucking pretty dope sounds like something (laughs) nefarious let's fucking dive into this so I watched a couple videos on it and started looking into it and it led me down this rabbit hole which took me down other rabbit holes and took me just everywhere so the despair code is a rumored, the best way I could put it, or I've heard it described as an anti-life theory, which, awesome. yeah, which is almost ingrained, supposed to be ingrained in our DNA to make us want, it's like a self-destruct button. You know, have you ever been driving down the road and you're like, man, I could just jerk the wheel of this car right in oncoming traffic and not have to deal with anything? You know what I am?
1: yeah and it's, don't, it's don't,
0: don't anybody think i'm freaking out here but i'm just like trying to put it into perspective
1: no i mean i i can relate like i i don't want to sit here and admit that or glorify it in any way shape or form but there have there have been times in my life where you're just it it for for no reason like that thought just comes into your head like yeah like, like you, you could said just, i could just jerk the wheel into oncoming traffic and then boom done I mean, and like I said, it's not provoked. It's not like I'm depressed or anything like that. It's just this random thought that would pop into your head, and you don't know why.
0: Yeah. So So that is
1: that is fucking weird.
0: It says that it causes existential depression in those that believe in the theory. So if you don't know it. It doesn't affect you. So tune out right. right now if you if you don't want to fucking deal with it.
1: Well see, I think I feel like I'm just too stupid. So <laughs> So you're not gonna worry about yeah, it? Yeah, it's not really gonna affect me that much.
0: So it it proposes that the world that we live in is created by someone above us, you know, like almost like a simulation. And that, that everything that we do is controlled by some external force. Like we have absolutely no control over our life. It's all been preplanned. Every, all the strings are being pulled at the same time. And it almost goes against that. what some scientists say, that the universe is a series of random actions and it leads to random effects. Well, this is the opposite of that. Yeah, the despair oh yeah, gotcha, code disputes gotcha. it. And essentially it's the concept of when the more people look into despair code, the they start to notice patterns in their everyday life. And then they're thinking as they notice these patterns are like, man, something's up to this. Somebody, somebody's behind this. And then those patterns lead to different thoughts that are seemingly come at, coming out of nowhere. And they're like, man, somebody's putting these thoughts into my head. And it's like, it's, it's almost like that a universal code is put together that everything is linked to one another and everything is of a specific design and plan when once you start noticing these patterns almost like like synchronicity of shit like we always talk about synchronicities yeah, yeah, which yeah. is kind of what led me down this path it you begin like that's that's your acknowledgement of the despair code and from there you it just keeps sucking you in deeper you keep noticing more patterns and more shit that you in your brain you're like this this cannot be random
1: right when you worded it like you did earlier I could see how that would drive some people to craziness when you when you're sitting there and convincing yourself that someone is putting these thoughts in your head. When you use that Mm -hmm. phrase, someone is putting these thoughts into my head, I could see how that could lead to a form of psychotic break. Yep. Exactly.
0: And Once the code is noticed, it leads to different side effects, such as depression and anxiety, which then could lead to suicide. I mean, yeah. Taking note of these patterns kind of sets it in motion. It's almost as if your mind is trying to figure out the code, and as it's doing that, it also is almost essentially trying to figure out the fabric of the universe, whereas everything isn't random. It's all put together, and your brain almost, like you said, just has a break. It's just like... You can't fucking handle it,
1: well, see, this won't affect me because a I suck at numbers, and b, I don't even try to understand the fabric of the universe because I listen to Neil deGrasse Tyson talk, and I just fucking my brain just melts and shuts he off He
0: breaks your brain instead,
1: exactly, so my brain just has this automatic shut off when it comes to that type of thinking,
0: so it's almost it's it's almost like schizophrenia, you know yeah, it I can totally see that it it sounds very similar to schizophrenia and a specific symptom of schizophrenia is called apophenia, which is the tendency to mistakenly perceive connections and meaning between unrelated things. And this induces the anxiety and depression to the point of suicide. It's almost like So would like,
1: that be like like saying red and black or synchronicity, but it's, it's like you're forcing that connection to be there when yeah. there's really not the yeah. connection.
0: Exactly. Gotcha. Your brain is trying to make it right. seem like it's something out of nothing. Right, so it's yeah. almost like the way they want to pr- to push this is that there's some sort of self-destruct button in your brain, and once you notice it, like seeing these patterns and acknowledging these patterns sets lets you know that self-destruct button is there.
1: Okay, gotcha, gotcha.
0: Which kind of ties into... Different stories in the past that we've talked about, and as I dove down, it it kind of ticked off boxes in my brain. Awesome. Remember, we were talking about the woods and the film director. Yeah, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, making, yeah. and he just out of fucking nowhere took off, just beeline, jumped the fence, sprinted into the woods, never fucking seen again. Yep. or the when we covered the severed feet, which was way the fuck back when. Yeah, one of the theories is that these people just essentially walk themselves into the water just walked into oblivion (laughs) you know because you you think about
1: that's uh, wild
0: the the fungus that invades the grasshopper's brain and makes them kill themselves and shit it's it doesn't sound a whole lot different than what we got going on here
1: not really
0: okay back wrapping it back around back to the uh essential
1: history it's it's like an algorithm parasite yeah like it's an uh, algorithm. In your, in your DNA. Yeah, that gets, Yeah, that's fucking weird.
0: So the first time it's posted was a couple years back. And this is where the validity of it goes out of the window because it's on 4chan of all things. Hell yeah. On the X board, which I mean they have a lot of interesting shit over there, but they also have a lot of garbage. But this is where it essentially made its first appearance, right? So there was a meme out. I'm sure everybody has seen it. It's the iceberg meme, and it's got the different tiers of the iceberg. The lo- the more below the water you get, the deeper the iceberg is. And it was talking about conspiracies. So in the meme, tier one, you have the Illuminati. 9/11 was inside job. Area 51. Tier two. Awesome.
1: That's tier one.
0: Yeah. Tier two is the NWO, JFK assassination, CIA selling drugs. Tier three, the Holocaust was faked. Sandy Hook faked. The Rothschilds, which we mentioned earlier in the episode we recorded earlier. Uh, The Clintons are murderers. Four goes into reptilians. The 9-11 was a complete hologram. The moon landing's faked. Further down you go, Roman Empire still existing. Uh, Satan controls the Earth. Space doesn't exist. Mandela effect. One tier down, AI controls the Earth. Reality is simulated. And then once you go down into the very deep, dark depths of this meme, The only thing that is posted is the despair code. And it is below every other single theory on there. So that's what fucking piqued my interest. So as you dig through that a little bit, let me get out of here. On 4chan, you start to see people talk about it a little bit. So I have some posts here about people talking about the despair code. And I will read them. It says, you really want to know about the despair code? This is from an anonymous poster. Don't blame me for anything after this. I warned you, but here it goes. What is the universe? The universe is everything we observe, right? But everyone observes something different. Maybe he lives, or maybe somewhere else, someone is observing something, or observing another region. He lives in another time, observing another age. Or even more directly, you walk through the woods at night. There's some noise in the bush. You think it's a cat in the bush, and you walk on. The next guy goes the same route, hears the same noise, but he thinks there's a wild beast in the bush, a monster even, and runs away scared. So one guy has observed a cat, and another has observed a monster. How do you know which one is real? You would say the cat one, because monsters don't exist. But they do for the other guy who thought it was a monster. What about people with hallucinations? Is their reality less worth because they're seeing things that you don't? But maybe the issue isn't with them seeing it, but it's with you not seeing it. Now we observe things and interpret our own observations, and this interpretation is our personal reality. Since everyone interpre- interprets stuff differently, we are all experiencing different realities. The reality can enhance or alter itself by observing new information. Some people don't like that. Hey, Holocult. The weather's getting nice, and you know what that means. It's cryptid hunting season. And the first rule to cryptid hunting is good footwear. That's why we're excited to announce our partnership with Tacova's Boots. When you're out hunting the Dogman or stalking Chupacabra, you don't have time to break in boots. That's why Tacovis is so nice. They have first wear comfort. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with their styles when you're out hunting cryptids.
1: And let me tell you, their styles are on point. I've always considered getting me a pair of snakeskin boots, and their pair is mint. They also have crocodile boots, caiman boots, ostrich boots, regular leather boots they they have it all and it's it's ridiculously awesome you can even stop by their the local tacova store have a complimentary drink or two and shop new styles the smell of fresh leather and a friendly staff are at your service many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized and with regular live music and events there's no in-store experience like it so just imagine yourself getting a pair of of legitimate snakeskin, hollow sky branded boots. How awesome would that be?
0: Nothing is going to intimidate a dog man like a nice pair of gator skin boots. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today they like their current reality so they dismiss anything changes and for them these changes damage reality that's when ignorance ha- when ignorance happens however it can uh, however how can it be that everyone is living in another reality doesn't science say there's multiple universes they all inhabit basically the same space but are all separated somehow and the guy just keeps going on the next post it says we are the universe everyone is the universe by themselves By taking and communicating, we exchange data with other universes. We live on the same planet, same place, but still somehow are separated by our bodies, but still connected through communication. Keeping that in mind, anything you imagine to be real is real. If you think you are being followed, you are. If you believe there's a monster in your closet, there is. There moves something in the corner of your eye. Guess what? It wasn't your imagination. It's there. Following these thoughts all the time will eventually make your mind fragile and paranoid, until your mind dissolves into despair from all the things that are out there to get you. These lines of thoughts and realizations that everything is real and admitting this is the despair code. The last one was, the despair code is basically you're fucked forever in formal logic. It was an unintentional result of a group of logicians trying to find an argument for anything that was undeniable. Read it and understand it and you would be convinced 100% with that there is no way out. It's a mathematically flawless argument for complete existential despair. It was also weaponized and fed to the enemies of the state to destroy their lives without the use of physical force.
1: So it, it's almost like by what he's saying, your imagination is also your executioner. Yeah. In a way. Like you're, you're literally, you're, you're buying into every single negative possibility ever perceived by your brain which in turn drives you to a breaking point that you cannot come back from
0: it's like it's like the sh- the cat in the box theory you know there's a cat in the box is it dead or is it alive it's actually both at the same time if you perceive it and observe it as alive then it exists as alive but if you right. perceive it and observe it as dead then it is dead so it's almost like any reality you imagine is your reality, but it isn't everybody else's reality, but trying to wrap your brain around there being multiple realities that aren't your own makes it dissolve.
1: That's weird. (laughs) Right? Like, I just figure, like, when these things happen and they're just so far beyond my comprehension, I'm just like, that's cool. And then I go on.
0: From there, people have been digging into it and they started to link it two different forms of media and such. And one of the theories is that H.P. Lovecraft, writer of all things fucking old and evil, was in on the despair code. So they say Lovecraft wrote about the old ones, evil beings or evil gods that inhabited the earth as physical creatures before the evolution of man, some of whom still exist in layers underground next to these beings, which predate the Bible, whose name's, are not known to men, the demons of Christianity pale in comparison. Satan is like a cartoon character, said next to some of these creatures that he had stern up. According to this theory, the Old Ones exert their influence over certain human artists who introduced the despair code into their work, unaware of its source and oblivious to its effect. Awesome. So they're saying that, like, may, perhaps these creatures are the ones that... And inhibited the despair code, and then they reach out to guys like Lovecraft to, like you know, give him ideas, and he writes this shit, and people just eat it up. Right. Um,
1: it's kind of like creating one of the worst pop songs ever.
0: Oh, we're gonna get there. Oh, okay. We're gonna get there. So Sweet. from we, so from writers, it's it's almost like they're using the media against us. So from lovecraft uh, the victims when they like when they read his stories i don't know if you've ever read them you do feel anxiety you know you do almost fall into a state of depression because of how terrible things are in the writing or if you watch a movie have you ever watched a movie and you're like fuck that was depressing oh yeah for sure like it's almost as if the this the despair code is being pushed throughout these different things.
1: Yeah, I mean, it plays on your your emotions for sure. That's why I don't watch that shit anymore.
0: So one creative writer published the following incantation of what he thought the despair code is. Another warning. They say that you are not supposed to listen to this out loud and you're definitely not supposed to read it out loud. So tune out now as I read this out loud. (laughs) Cool. Cool. So chime back in in like 20 seconds. So the despair code is supposed to be the following. Loneliness plus alienation plus fear plus despair plus self-worth divided by mockery divided by condemnation divided by misunderstanding times guilt times shame times failure times judgment where N equals Y where Y equals hope and N equals folly love equals lies and self equals the dark side. With the litany internalized, one source says that victims experience extreme anxiety followed by depression and then the psychosis sets in. So as we're talking about the media side of the despair code, I started looking up a bunch of different weird, I don't know, media forms that have made people act out, I guess to say. so. The first thing I came across, now here's where we get into suicides and such. So if that, again, if that's something that uh, you don't like to listen to, please tune out. First that comes, that comes to mind is the saddest song in the world, which other people will know is the Hungarian suicide song. Billy Holiday, Holiday made it famous in the United States, but once you kind of dig into it, it becomes weird that maybe she was using this, or not her specifically, but whoever wrote this, was using the despair code to kind of push it out to the masses unknowingly. So we're going to go in the history of that. On May 23rd, 1936, Philip Cook, a senior at Holbrook college in New York was found dead, hanging in his fraternity or found dead in his fraternity house in the early hours of the morning. Members of the Sigma Phi fraternity reported hearing a gunshot upon investigating. They found cook with a 22 caliber gunshot wound to his head After being rushed to the hospital, Cook was pronounced dead two hours later. I guess he wasn't found dead, but he was found shot. His friends and fellow students wondered why Cook would take his own life. It's noted that he was good-natured and friendly, a member of the Glee Club, a cheerleader, and was scheduled to graduate the following week. There weren't any red flags leading up to his death, but it was reported by his friends and frat brothers that he had recently been listening to a song quite a bit, almost to obsessive links. And this was the Hungarian suicide song. Could a song have the power to drive someone to take their own life? This particular song has a pretty dark history and an even darker supposed power. Could this song be one of the auditory triggers of the despair code? The song is called Gloomy Sunday. It was written in 1933 and published by two musicians from Hungary. These musicians were Rezo Ceres and Laszlo Javier. Serez was the composer of the music and Havor was a lyricist. After combining the music and the lyrics, Ceres began performing it at a local cafe. Audiences seemed to enjoy it, and he stated at one point he was playing it almost thirty times a night. Wow! Yeah, so people, despite it being that so depressing, crazy, people fucking loved it.
1: I was gonna say when it, when you come to to music, I could totally buy it because I mean, like that—that's why we listen to music. That's why we we play video games. That's why we, we watch movies. Like. It, all those things make us feel a type of way, like th- they put us in different moods, so to speak. You know what I mean? Yeah, it like, plays on our emotions. Exactly, exactly. But to that extent, that's insanity. Like where well, you're pl- Like, could you imagine, like when we was in a band, somebody wanting to hear the exact same song t- thirty times over the span? Yeah, of an of an, night, of an like, evening. That's that's the little crazy. It's
0: and it, it was reportedly more than more than one evening. He said it was it was he was performing it twenty to thirty times a night because people were like, "Let's check it out."
1: That's that's insane.
0: There isn't an actual uh, account of inspiration for the song, but many sources have theorized why uh, Havor wrote it, and Sures helped him. They said uh, the feeling of the state of the world at the time. World War I was just wrapping up, and World War II was getting ready to run through, so fascism was rising, and he had very strong thoughts about that. Um, He was also scorned by an ex-lover of his. And it's just the general general melancholy of the time, they think, is what led them to write this song. They don't know if there was any outside influence actually pushing the despair code, but people were looking into it. Due to the depressing content of the piece, Serez struggled finding a publisher to publish the song. One such publisher actually stated, and I quote, It is not that the song is sad. There is a sort of terrible, compelling despair about it. I don't think it would do anyone any good to hear a song like this. He actually used the word despair.
1: That's interesting. Yeah.
0: After finally finding a publisher, the song made its way to the English-speaking world in a cover by Billie Holiday. It's depressing lyrics are made very apparent in the English translation. I have it here. I will read them to you. You can tune out if you think they're going to make you crazy. Uh, Sunday is gloomy. My hours are slumberless. Dearest the shadows I live with are numberless. Little white flowers will never awaken you. Not where the black black coach of sorrow has taken you. Angels have no thought of ever returning you. Would they be angry if I thought of joining you? Gloomy Sunday. And then verse 2. Gloomy is Sunday. With shadows I spend it all. My heart and I have decided to end it all. Soon there will be candles and prayers that are sad, I know. Let them not weep. Let them not know that I am glad to go. Death is no dream, for in death I am caressing you. With the last breath of my soul I'll be blessing you, gloomy Sunday. Uh, The bridge is dreaming. I was only dreaming. I wake and I find you asleep in the deep of my heart, dear. Verse 3, darling, I hope that my dream never haunted you. My Heart is Telling You How Much I Wanted You, Gloomy Sunday. So, from that being released, there have been anywhere from 15 to 19 deaths directly associated with the song. These songs include people who have entered their lives after hearing a recording or live version of the song, as well as the song being referenced in the victim's suicide notes. A few were found actually holding the fucking sheet music of the song, or it was within (laughs) the vicinity of the body, as well as some where the song was actually being played near the body.
1: That's interesting because it, at that point you would think that if it's true and the despair code actually affects people, especially in the context of the song, that it's only going to affect a certain amount of people at that point, right? Like there's no way that it would affect every single person yeah, because they only found 19 dead. Yeah so it just makes me curious as to it, like, it, what are the guidelines, the the parameters in which you fall under to be able to fall victim to something of that nature? Because I listen to the lyrics and it's just like, just it's like another, song. yeah, another sappy song. Like yeah. it's not, but, but I also understand that when paired with music, it, it, it could make you feel a different way because the way they articulate the words, the, the music itself, et cetera, et cetera, like it, it changes the whole dynamic of the lyrics, anyway. So yeah.
0: But another thing that I I hadn't got to yet is that there are supposed auditory and visual triggers that set off this despair code. Some people's brain might be might be like strong enough to just like like you said, just it not it not bothered them at yeah. all. But people who have possibly already started to kind of slip, maybe this triggers the despair code and pushes them further. Well,
1: that and then with paired with the music, I just thought about like like remember we used to listen to techie metal bands and they would put uh breakdowns but they would they would be in sequence and numbers and and equations and stuff like that like i was just thinking i'm like what if there is a type of equation a mathematical equation in the rhythm of the song or the the way they structure it then it then it gets into a deeper realm there where it just takes you down a completely different rabbit hole than where we're you know currently at
0: it just it gets it gets fucking crazy In a bizarre twist, the success of the song led Ceres to actually attempt to contact his ex-lover, which had broken his heart, but she had actually taken her life the very next day he contacted her. Oh, She poisoned herself, and she had left a note, supposedly, with just two words on it, that said, Gloomy Sunday.
1: Oh. Damn. Wow.
0: Um, With a lot of these accounts, they're hard to verify, but because there's very little existing information in these cases, but these are a few that I found with actual evidence, like searching through YouTube videos and searching online. Um, Elizabeth Goulier, she's a 15-year-old. She was in puppy love with her boyfriend. Her boyfriend had essentially moved a few towns over, so she was just absolutely heartbroken. She snuck out one night essentially to go and end her life. She was stopped by the police and um, she said that she was going to the drugstore to pick up something for her mother. So the police let her go. She jumped from a local bridge into icy water and was found the next day by fishermen. She left a note in her diary to her mother, says, "If you have someone sing "Oh Gloomy Sunday," then you will understand." The next is Jean Boros. Uh, January 1936, he was a young carpenter, went into a bar. And he was infatuated with the song. He requested that it be played. He was singing along to it. And as soon as they finished up, he pulled a gun out and shot himself through the heart at the last note. (laughs)
1: Well, that's not good.
0: Um, He had a note in his pocket that he said he was brokenhearted from a recently ended uh, relationship and he he aspired to die to Gloomy Sunday as it described his situation perfectly. Wow. Wow. Uh, another one is uh, Mile Ogla Kirkus. She was a an actress and a singer and she performed the song and before she could finish she just ran off the stage crying. No one under, no one knew what was going on. People thought maybe she had gotten sick. Well, after about 30 minutes, her manager and the set supervisor went to her room and they found her dead. She had poisoned herself just just from going singing the song, ran off stage. Poisoned herself.
1: That's so weird.
0: Um, after that happened, the police and the government started to take note. They actually banned the song across Budapest. Um, they said that the song is it menaces the welfare of Hungary and it must be suppressed. It was labeled newspapers as public menace number one.
1: That's interesting.
0: So, what does America do?
1: Like, let's play it.
0: Capitalize on this motherfucker. Let's play it. They start pushing it as the Hungarian suicide song, and they put they put a hundred percent into it. You know, this is the song that's making people die. This is the song that's getting people killed. It went so far that uh, Nebraska Congressman Carl Stefan was trying to, uh, shut it down. They he's quoted say it's too dangerous to let loose on the public. We need, this does not need to be played in radio stations. Um. There was one last victim that really stands out. In 1968, Ceres himself, the composer of the music, jumped out of a fourth-story window because he said that the, that the success of the song and it leading to other people's lives just, just broke him down mentally. But he survived. He survived and he was rushed to a hospital. Where at the hospital... He took a cord connected to some of the equipment keeping him alive, and he strangled himself to death with it.
1: That, that uh That's a little heavy there. Yeah. I mean, that takes a lot of dedication. Some fucking
0: gumption to get the fuck out of here.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, it's, Gloomy Sunday is still being used in media today. It was used in the Shawshank Redemption, and it's used on Netflix shows like Thirteen Reasons Why, so it's still being pushed out there. And people who've watched 13 Reasons, it deals with... suicide Suicide. but another form of media that i thought could possibly trigger the despair code is i tied this together i recently watched a documentary which is funny because our last episode was about one that you watched but i watched this documentary called fury of the demon it's about a supposed lost film if anybody's familiar with silent films there's one i think it's called the man on the moon or trip to the moon something like that it's you'll you'll know it because it's a It's a a picture of the moon and it's got a human face on it and the people from Earth launched this rocket ship to get to the moon and it sticks in his eye. Uh, I think Smashing Pumpkins did a like parody of it in Tonight Tonight. Anyway, that was directed by a director called George Millier. He was a silent film creator and you'll know him. Yeah, you'll know him from his silent film, Trip to the Moon. I got ahead of myself there. Millier is also created or is also credited with the creation of the horror film. So you have to keep in mind when these films came out and listen to some of the names of them. So in in 1896, he released House of the Devil. In 1898, he released The Cave of the Demons. And in 1900, he released The Devil in the Convent. So this is some heavy shit even now. Yeah. But 120 years ago, him talking about the occult and devil shit, like it's pretty fucking crazy. But the film in question is called L'Orage du Demon. That's French, I apologize, but it translates to The Fury of the Demon. The film The Fury of the Demon was released with Millier's name listed as the creator, but people actually think it could be a forgery crafted by one of his pupils who was obsessed with magic and the cult named Sicarius. Regardless, in 1897, the short screened once and reportedly caused the audience to go absolutely insane. The film went missing afterwards. Um, the more I looked into it, that it said that there was possibly even deaths. Like It was almost like a riot that it had caused when it was first released. People could not handle it. So, film went missing. Fast forward to 1939. Uh, Todd Browning, uh, a guy that you will know who made the films Freaks, and Dracula, released a feature film called Miracles for Sale. When the film screened in New York City a small film played beforehand called Fury of the Demon. Supposedly, the screening of the short caused the audience to erupt in mass hysteria. People ripped their hair out, fought fellow audience members, and it was a bloody scene. Eventually, someone actually set fire to the theater and six people perished in the chaos. Some, uh, the documentary, even interviews some audience members that were there in 1939 and they recalled the madness firsthand. They said that, like, whenever it played they just could not contain themselves they just had a rage that set in that's weird and just set them off they wanted to attack themselves they wanted to attack fucking people around them they just there's almost like a fever they described it as just yes. building up in themselves
1: it's weird because i don't understand that like i don't understand
0: i mean but if you think of other think think about when the exorcist released people got physically sick yeah got physical feelings of physical sickness when watching the exorcist. You know, these these forms of media play on people differently.
1: Yeah, that's true.
0: And I don't even know if this documentary is real. I don't know if the fucking if the the film is real, but just the idea of it plays into this so fucking strangely. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: I mean, it is terrifying to think about if it, assuming it is real. I mean, that's not That's not anything to mess around with.
0: The focal point of the documentary is a rather uh, reclusive film collector named Edgar Allan Wallace, who supposedly found a copy of the film print and screened it in 2012 for a small group of French film scholars and critics. Once again, violence broke out. When they went, the cops broke it up. Film is missing again. It just keeps popping itself up after so many years. See,
1: and that's weird, too, the fact that every time after it gets screened, it magically dis- disappears. Yeah, it's
0: almost like it has a mind of its own. Right. So I'm not saying this directly correlates with the despair code, but thinking about how it makes people feel yeah. and react kind of ties into it. <clears throat> the documentary examines uh, this recent screening as well as giving, like, it tells you more of Millier's work and his mysterious pupils, Sycharis, and all this other shit. It's kind. Of, you don't ever actually know if this documentary is real or not, or if it's a mockumentary, or if the film exists. You, it's it's just kind of leaves you open ended. But as with any anything we cover, we never really have
1: a definitive answer. Definitive yeah. answers right. to.
0: But it does show that the media has effect on people that consume it. You know, and if something like the despair code were to exist, look at how easily it could be put out. You know, you play a song on the radio that causes people to kill themselves or you play a movie and it causes people to freak the fuck out. Well, that's the media side of it that I was thinking about. But there is more outside of that. So if we go into this here, there's a programming theory that I found. There's a document online with instructions for programming human beings using hypnosis. In this work it is every uh, in this work everyone's given or everything is given a number when impla- implanted into a subject's subconscious will cause the subject to despair. A formula attributed, or attributed to the Illuminati can be found on the internet with detailed instructions of how to gain total mind control over a subject. It involves the use of hypnosis to program hum- human beings. This process culminates with the implantation of a control number in the subject's subconscious, which is said to cause the subject despair. The numerical despair code is three two two three four one two. So I started looking into that, right? <clears throat> about programming and shit of that nature, I found a creepypasta, which is another form of media, about an acoustic brain manipulator. So, has instructions for use of the acoustic brain manipulator. Insert the following codes on your personal ABM. The numbers must be typed in the third box alongside your personal brain code on the first box and the Pavlov code on the second one. Three sessions of ABM a day, accurately morning, afternoon, and evening, will affect the following day with your chosen reaction. Binaural sounds, placebo, and other phenomenon will take place while using these codes, these are transula- translated in stimuli sent directly toward your brain receptors, such as the pineal gland. And there are different codes for different things you want to feel <clears throat> like despair, denial, distortion, conflict, frustration, apathy, hypersomia, insomnia, uh, hallucinations, dopamine induced uh, apoptosis, all kinds of fucking shit. The fur, the further codes must be, dis- or further codes can be discovered by implementing these into this device, which everybody knows a creepy pasta is a fictional story. They have warnings in it. Do not share your brain code with anyone else. Do not use the ABM if you don't know what you're doing. Do not use the ABM if you don't want transhuman changes permanently implanted in your body. Thanks for your collaboration. What is the ABM? <coughs> the ABM was born by following a famous urban myth our purpose was that or was to convert all this matter into reality as far as possible it's true that the abm can be used for mind control but only with long and continuous sessions that is because engraving on the temperament of the individual of individual is nearly impossible so basically it's saying that if you were to use this use it cautiously if you type in despair your results are not going to be fucking good but from there I'm like, I wonder if one of these motherfucking things really exists, right? So I get to Googling. What do I find? A fucking patent for an acoustic brain manipulator.
1: That's not surprising at all.
0: No. How fucking crazy is that though? Like I just
1: Like that that is not a far-fetched theory at all no. in my opinion.
0: I'm going to actually look at Because it up everybody
1: now. knows that acoustics can affect certain aspects of you anyways.
0: Yeah, it's called the sub the subliminal subliminal acoustic manipulator of nervousness, the nervous system,
1: nervous systems. That's <laughs> even worse.
0: Straight to your brain.
1: Yeah, so that's that's not surprising. It's not surprising at all.
0: So it almost takes it like it's like is it real? Is it not real? But there's little the things that make you think, "Damn, maybe it
1: is, fuck." Yeah, there's that. enough there's a snuff smoke in the situation where you're kind of like, man, is there really fire behind it, or you can almost
0: set yourself up to do it on your own. You know what I mean? Is, like if these true. really exist. There's one more theory that I'm going to get into before I wrap it up, and it is the U.S. military theory, which holds that the despair code is used to is used as, to identify a chemical gas used on the battlefield whose effects are not poisonous but psychological in nature. It deprives the enemy of his sense of purpose. Highbrow medical officers call it Nietzsche's air because Nietzsche wrote that life is meaningless. He, he said there's no purpose for us being here. Basically, if you read any of his works, it's pretty pretty downer stuff. He's awesome. like, there's no reason. Like, there's what, why, what is life? What's the point? They said that it was used in the Iraqi war which is the Gulf War, I guess, uh, test subjects exposed to the gas uh, entered a deep state of depression within seconds of breathing it, some not even having the will to speak. There is an operation called Blue Horizon. Is the only military operation which used Niche air in combat by U.S. forces in the Gulf War. The target was one company of the Iraqi Republican Guard. Those that did not commit suicide turned on their brothers in a melee of friendly fire and fighting amongst themselves. They said some some guys just sat down in silence. Some of them started to cry. Others took their bayonets and stabbed themselves. They fired on each other. They said the results were so gruesome that the brass worried about the press that was going to get out and the gas was put away never to be used again.
1: I mean, once again, I'm not surprised by the turn of events here. I mean, our U.S.— or any military it doesn't even have to be ours, but the military playing with things <laughs> that they don't fully understand, and yeah, there there is definitely unforeseen consequences to what you try to do here.
0: It's said that there are there are trigger sounds and phrases that are supposed to trigger almost deja vu or recollection sensors in our brain. One of the phrases are "It's cold in here, isn't it." Some people hear this and it, it just sets their brain off. Another one is looks familiar. Um, these, if you get on YouTube and you look around, you can see pictures and different videos of weird sounds and shit. One being a man in a hoodie, uh, reported to be an old police sketch. Another one says that the color orange is a possible trigger of this. Just a whole bunch of different shit. It's just, I don't know, it's just fucking weird. Another theory is that, um, the government is is in total control of the despair, the despair code. Like, they knew what the fuck was going on, they harnessed it, and now they're using it, especially in today's time, to keep the population under duress. Keep people from learning that we're, like, still in economic depression. You know what I mean? Yeah. They just use it to funnel more money and more power to those that already have money and power. It's exactly well, it, what's playing out now.
1: Yeah, and it, to boot, I mean, it, it's almost like kind of like I speculated in the previous episode uh it's almost well this kind of would have predated it but nevertheless it's almost like MK Ultra upgraded yeah like you know like they they got what they needed here and they just started to tack on more and more to it and now we're here yeah it's just it's just a form of mind control you know and it works in their advantage
0: and it it makes you I'm not saying it's real. It could just be some stupid dude on 4chan made it up, just plugged it at the bottom of a meme and it took off on its own. But like me and Kyle talked about, you do kind of get those feelings and there are...
1: Yeah, there it's are, weird.
0: Um, instances where people have just... Just fucking... Like the guy that ran off into the woods, just, you know, like his brain just went... Yeah. And done-dunzos.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, you've had... I guarantee most people about uh, people out there have had a thought that was terrible and you don't even know why you're having that thought.
0: Yeah. So I just thought it was weird. I stumbled across it and there's there's not a lot of information on it because it's people kind of perceive it as just a just an internet legend and, and like a meme. So I was looking into this other shit and I tied the suicide song to it because it could easily be a vessel for the despair code as well as that documentary if you want to watch it it's on Amazon Prime it's called Fury of the Demon it's pretty interesting gets a little wonky toward the end but worth checking out it's about an hour long definitely interesting I just thought I'd share that with you all I hope it doesn't break any of your brains and none of you decide to harm yourself by listening to this if you do
1: don't do that Yeah, call us
0: and we'll talk you down
1: because that's what we're here for absolutely
0: I just thought I'd share that interesting little fucking tidbit for everybody
1: it's a pretty fucked up story
0: yeah it's it makes you wonder which is I mean that's kind of what the podcast is for
1: yeah and like I said at the end of the day I feel like it's more or less an evolution or MK was an evolution of it or whatever I do feel like there is a subtle link there assuming that this is all true true
0: which we don't and
1: we'll never know
0: so we're going to wrap that up there thanks to all our listeners and all our subscribers our patrons and everybody out there who helps make this thing what it is and keeps the ball rolling check us out on all our social medias Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube search up the Hollow Sky Podcast and we're there, come and hang out with us you know the drill Until we meet again, stay safe and stay weird, my friends. And don't listen to that fucking suicide song. Just forget it
1: ever existed. Be happy.